0: What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in and checking out the Hustle the Most podcast. This is episode 25. I'm your host, Wes, and today we're going to have a conversation with a longtime friend, an amazing human being, super excited to have you here, ladies and gentlemen, Greg Benick.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. Short <laughs> to the point. That was great. Yeah.
0: We, 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 uh, you know, we keep it easy. We're busy. We got things to do here, right? So
1: Well, I just, I just like the fact that you and I are going to have a casual conversation. And if you started, you know, reading off things that I've been involved in, been involved with, it would just feel a little formal, you know, everybody, I want to talk to Wes Keeley today, drummer of so-and-so, owner of so-and-so. It's like, (laughs) okay, relax.
0: Yeah. And that's a thing. People do that, right? It's all, it's always a weird thing to have people like, you know, list off a bunch of accolades or, you know, things that you're known for and, oh, and then you just got to stand there and kind of looks, you know, not. Weird.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'd be like, I'm in my boxer shorts. I was doing a Rubik's Cube five minutes ago. Give me a break. Like, this is not like rocket science. I'm not, you know, curing disease. I'm just hanging out. So, yeah, yeah it's, I, I like a, a more casual approach for sure.
0: Yeah. And that's, and that's a, you know, exciting thing for, for me. And, and it makes it easy and less,
1: you know, a little less, a little
0: less formal. Right. That's how we do Good. it. I so, I like it. Um, I sent you the episode that I just did recently of the Hustle Most podcast, episode 24 where I talked about having a conversation with you in Arias. Do you remember this
1: conversation? I I absolutely do. When I started listening to that interview, I was amazed that you remembered it and that it was so impactful. And I just want to say that that interview meant uh, or that, that episode meant a lot to me. It really did. When I started listening to that episode, it really was moving. I mean, for me, I actually sent it to my parents. I sent it to my brother. I was like, <laughs> you know, look at this. I mean, can you, you know, believe that this, you know, has resonated all these years? I was really, uh, really affected by the fact that you remember that and it was so meaningful for you. So I'm, I'm just really happy about it.
0: That's awesome. And I, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, the hustle the most podcast has been a really uh, interesting experiment for me. Cause I mean, I'm basically sitting in a room by myself, talking to myself about myself. Right. I mean, no vanity, describe no my, my life. Yep. Yeah. Okay. And, it, you know, and it's, and it's always uh, interesting to me, you know, I mean, we remember things the way that we think they happened. Right. And this is common. I mean, we, you know, I've done this before with, with friends where I tell a story and, and they're like, Oh no, I remember it differently. Right. Cause through their eyes and their perception and over time, things have a, tendency to just be different. Right. Not necessarily uh, exactly the same, but there's, you know, there's details, there's nuances, right? But it's always it's always interesting to hear someone else's take on that story. I remember it a certain way. I remember the stupid outfit I was wearing, right? I remember Paper Zone. And and it's, you know, it it just comes up in it and it happens to be like in my head a certain way. So I was hoping that I would did it justice by regurgitating it. You know, this was 2004, I think that we have this conversation. So very, you did it very justice for sure.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, absolutely. You did it justice. And I mean, we have to be realistic that <clears throat> all of history, all realistically of the present is undefinable by any one person. If you and I hang up right this second and someone comes in in the next second and says, what just happened in your life? My recollection of this conversation, how it looked, how it felt, what it meant, where I am, What I said is going to be different than yours. We're literally having two different experiences at the exact same time. So there's no possible way that we're going to remember something as it happened. But to my recollection, you were pretty close. And your description of the conversation and the way that I responded to you was almost eerie for me because at the time, I was a uh, vehement, anti-work um, anarchistically thinking, everyone quit your job, type of person. Like, let's form a society based on new ideas, away from working, away from paper zone, away from you doing anything other than compromising what you believe in order to pursue, you know, what you believe as a priority. And when you were describing, even just the way that I spoke to you, it was strange. It was like being in a time machine. All of a sudden, it was. Fantastic! It was just really an interesting experience. I really do think, yes, that you nailed it.
0: That's that's amazing because I it's I very, very um, seldom have uh, the the actual ability to ask someone if I got it right. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't happen very often, right? So mainly it's me, you know, having these 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 recollections. And you know, the whole point of this of this podcast this experiment was for me to get these ideas in these stories out of my head, and into some sort of medium that's, you know, unable to be forgotten, right? So, and that's what's happening. That's what's happening right now.
1: And the thing is, you and I might be remembering the Arias conversation, both of us, incorrectly. You might have walked in that day and been like, What's up, dude? And I've been like, hey, how you doing? You're like, I just came back from Paper Zone. I'm like, that's dumb. And that might have been all that happened. but We're both remembering <laughs> this glorious version of it. But to my to my recollection, you nailed it. And we're either both delusional or both remembering correctly. But I'll put the uh, I'll, I'll put the the focus on you for having the good memory, because I honestly spaced that out until you sent me the episode. And when I started listening, I was like, what conversation was, what, what is this? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember that. So pretty fascinating.
0: That's amazing. I'm, I'm excited to, to have someone um, confirm, you know, my memory, because like I said, it doesn't happen very often. So, Good. you know, one of the things that, you know, I, I we talked to us about this, a little bit about this earlier that, you know, to go through like all the things that you've done, all the places and all the things and it'll come out, right? Well, we, you're, you've always been one of my favorite people on the planet. And, you know, uh, since we've met, you know, man. so many years ago, I mean, do you remember? I think I, I talked about it, but do you remember us meeting?
1: Yeah. You, know, you mentioned, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly in the episode, you mentioned the show at Pharaoh's. Was that where we met the show at Pharaoh's? Uh, yeah, I think so. Fa- Pharaoh's was, if I'm remembering correctly, catharsis, earth mover, buried alive, maybe. Um, I'm not sure if that was the show you mentioned in this moment, I'm thinking, was that the show? And I can't recall. I mean, honestly, I don't even remember how you and I started this conversation. My memory is so bad. <laughs> like, I, like all of a sudden I just realized I'm on, on a call with you. Um, but, um I don't, I in my, remind me from your episode where, what show it was. Cause I know it was an earth mover and, and, and trial experience, right?
0: Yeah. I, I remember it being earth mover and trial. And honestly, I couldn't tell you who else was on the bill. Um, we did but, so okay, many
1: shows over the years with
0: Catharsis and Buried Alive and all of those bands that eh, to say it was it was them I couldn't tell you honestly.
1: Here's here's my recollection. My recollection of the first time I saw Earthmover, which would have been then perhaps this show, was at Pharaohs in was that in Detroit or was it nearby?
0: It was in a, it's in a city called Westland, which is about probably twenty minutes from actual Detroit.
1: Got it. So I remember being uh, at that show, Trial played, Catharsis played, if I'm not mistaken, um, Buried Alive played, um, and I can't remember who else, I mean, obviously Earthmover, but I remember our set, I remember being on stage during our set, and I remember watching the other bands just being blown away, I mean, that's, that's a pretty stacked bill. Yeah, But when Earthmover got on stage, I remember thinking to myself, who are these people? You know, I don't, I would not, I was not familiar. And then you got on stage and I remember you going into, remind me your singer's name, Lenny. Is that right? Yep, that's right. Lenny. Um, Introducing the song, uh, the, the money song. Was it called money or it's not about the money? Yeah, I think it's just called money. Okay. Introducing that song. And I remember the audience losing their mind to the lyric, it's, it's not about the money. What, is that the lyric? It's not about the money? Or? Yeah,
0: it's, it's not about money. It's not about money. Yeah.
1: That's right. It's not about money. Yep. The, the, the collective mind losing, oh my God, of that overwhelming passion impacted me so much. That was life changing, hardcore changing, punk rock changing, art changing changing for me. And I'm happy to tell you why. I don't want to take over your podcast, but I'm happy to tell you why that changed my life. I think that was the first show we met because it was the first show we played with Earth Mover. because I remember never having seen that song before and being annihilated by the audience response. Happy to go into more detail if you like, or we can move on from there. As no,
0: like. I, I think that would be great. But I just want to tell people that I have referenced um, trial in the past and uh, have talked about you know, various hardcore bands and a lot of people that listen to our podcast don't exactly know who Trial is. We, we're talking about them, but um, I can tell you my version of Trial, but give me a quick, like quick couple lines on what Trial was to you.
1: Sure. Trial was a h- hardcore band. I mean, technically maybe someday we'll play again. We played a couple years ago in, L- in LA. So Trial was a band that formed in, in the mid nineties, a hardcore a uh, punk band with uh, straight edge influences, political influences, social influences, personal influences, psychological influences. I tried to draw lyrics from a number of different sources. And we put out a record called Are These Our Lives in the late 90s, which has resonated to this day. And I say that not because I think it's a good record, but every, I would say without exaggeration, once a week at the least, once a week for the past 23 years, Someone writes me about the record and what it's meant to them. It's the resonation, resonation resonance, resonance, resin, whatever that word is, of of the record astounds me, and I'm deeply honored to have been a part of it. So it's just a huge part of my life and uh, a really meaningful ongoing project, I guess you'd say.
0: Isn't it? Isn't it one of those really um, just kind of cathartic, uh, interesting, introspective, whatever you want to call it, feelings of oh yeah, I created something I put out there in the world and people are reacting to it, right? Years later, years later, 10, 20 years later, right? It's amazing.
1: It's mind boggling. I mean, because the thing is, is that ultimately, you know, I, I think about this often. I have a friend in Seattle. We go on walks and have deep talks about art and what art signifies and what, you know, performance means. And we've talked a lot with one another about the meaning of art, as being when you create something in the world and then someone else interfacing interacting with that thing you've created then sees the world differently as a result of seeing the thing you've created so when people say to me my life's different because of our these our lives or I say to you Wes everything changed for me seeing earth mover that day in 1990 what 7 6 I have no idea everything changed as a result As a result of a song about money written by some working class kids who very realistically never made a dime off their song and yet got a bigger response, in my opinion, to anything that Metallica ever got from any one of their songs. The passion in that room that night was 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 it was like an inferno of human energy. And it, it it changed everything for me. So that said, I went out in the world and saw money differently. I saw hardcore differently. I saw sing-alongs at punk hardcore shows differently. I saw audience engagement differently. I saw uh, uh, the working class and and social structure differently. I would read uh, Marx and approach it differently. Because of the sing alongs at the Earth Mover show when you played that song. That's what art's about. And that, as you said, is the amazing, amazing thing when you put something in the world and it, it affects people so powerfully.
0: It's interesting to think that, you know, I'm going to bet that, you know, if you, you know, told Lenny, who, you know, I think, I think Lenny and maybe Andy, actually, now I think about it, I couldn't tell you who wrote lyrics. Someone in that band that wasn't me wrote the lyrics. How's that? Um, probably one of those two and, in, in, you know, push and pull here and there. But I would imagine, you know, that everyone gets something different out of it, right? So, you know, the way it was written may not be how you're taking it. And I mean, when people come up to you and say, oh, man, this, this moved me so much, right? Like, it doesn't matter what your intention was. It does not matter. What matters is the experience that you're creating for that person in it you know, hopefully affected him in the positive way, right? Versus a negative way, right? So, um, and you come out of this with like, you know, regardless of what your intention was, it's not, it's not even relevant at that point. What's relevant is the experience that you created for someone else through your art, you know, design, music, whatever you want to call it.
1: I, I agree. You know, and I I, actually can tell you, just so we don't forget to to toss this in, I can explain it really succinctly. the The reason that that day affected me so much, and Lenny being swarmed by people uh, singing that line, "It's not about the money," was that these kids were saying, "It's not about the money" in the context of hardcore, therefore suggesting hardcore is not about the money and life is not about the money. It's about this moment, and I believed them. Their passion was so authentic that I absolutely, completely believed them. That's not always true at a punk and hardcore show. When people are up front and they're singing along, they're just sometimes singing lyrics that, you know, in the moment it feels good to sing with other people. I mean, that's simply true. We are pack animals. We love feeling part of a group. And whether the lyric is this or that, it doesn't make a difference. Um and and there's sometimes a disconnect i mean and that's fine i mean i've put the microphone out to countless people who have sung the wrong words and i'm never mad about it i'm just like great sing whatever you want to sing scream something if you're feeling it those kids were not just feeling it they were deeply connected to the words and i completely believed their sentiment that it wasn't about the money and it made me restructure everything about the way i was thinking about hardcore and work and, and and involvement in something that's meaningful to you? What's it about for us? It's like these kids in Detroit, for them, it's really not about the money. And granted, it wasn't about the money for us either. I mean, you know, but it really wasn't for those kids. <laughs> and I believe them, man, through and through. It, I just, that passion resonated with me. I mean, for years, years and years and years and years and years. I mean, it influenced... It influenced me immensely. So yeah, we, I got to get Andy. I'll text him later, maybe mention it. And if you are in touch with Lenny, then got to spread the word to the others. And uh, Mike as well, if he exists in the world somewhere, you know, those, all these folks. So
0: I, I know that they all exist in the world somewhere. They all exist. So
1: I probably mentioned it to at least a couple of them over the years. I have a feeling that in talking to, to Mike once about a, there was a picture of him carrying a transmission or a muffler or something across a street on some, record. And I remember mentioning to him about maybe mentioning this moment to him. I might've mentioned it to Andy, but yeah, this is, I'm happy to share it anytime.
0: You know, as you're talking about this, I remember, I can remember, so I've seen trials, you know, several times over the years. Uh, you know, I went to the reunion show in like Yep. right. I went, I went to that and I was living in, uh, Kansas city at the time. I flew back through Denver, got stuck in a snowstorm, on the way back. So I made it to the show and then my buddy Dave and I, uh, you know, we, st- we, stayed at some, one of my other friends at Capitol Hill We walked down to Numo's, went to the show, you know, it was a whole thing. It was awesome. Um, but I remember specifically like, you know, those, those bigger shows, like, you know, great. Uh, it, you know, it happened. It's a thing. I was there, but what I really remember is, you know, us playing in, uh, the vegan grocery store, uh, in the basement in Pontiac.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. I remember it. Uh, quite, quite clearly.
0: Yeah. And I remember, um, well, two things about that. I remember you being down uh, a member or two after some sort of, some sort of shopping uh, escapade from someone in the band. But what I remember is, and this is, this is kind of speaking to the art portion, you know, as a, as a lyricist, which, you know, are these our lives lyrics or hands down like the most well written, thought out, like actually have crazy amounts of weight to them? I mean, I've dug through those things numerous times and been like, who are the Trudells? And I don't know, how is this? You know, you and I have talked about this at one point, but I specifically remember you talking to people at the show and telling them, you know, come up and be a part of what we're doing. And I'm going to hold the mic out. And if you don't know the words, it doesn't matter. Just sing what's in your heart and scream, right? And say something. If you have something to say, get up here and, and, and just be a part of it, right? Be part of the experience. And it's interesting because I'm sure somewhere along the line, someone has held out a mic for someone to sing some sort of part and someone just botches it, right? And they're like, oh, I'm not going back to that kid again, right? Because that's the kid that messed up Firestorm or whatever it is, right? You know, the kid that came in one verse early or or something. So, you know, is that a, I mean, it doesn't sound like it to you, but I'm sure, you know, you've, you know, I imagine like a handful of singers that sit around and like, oh, you ever have someone like, you know, sing the wrong word or, you know, and it doesn't matter to you. Like as a, as a person who's more um, interested in the experience than the lyrical content, I imagine that bothers you less from what I understand. Is that probably pretty correct?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, with, without a doubt. I, in fact, I could tell you that one of my favorite trial stories of all time, and I often get choked up when I tell it. So if I'm suddenly a blubbering mess on your podcast, uh, I apologize. But um, <clears throat> we were playing in, in Leowarden in the Netherlands. This is probably around 1998 or so. And we were playing a song, maybe 99. Yes, 99. We were playing a song called When There's Nothing Left to Lose. It's off the Trial album. And um, it, it's, it's a song with a particular amount of weight to it. It's about when you're at the uh, limit of despair and everything has gone wrong and all the solutions to the everything which has gone wrong. It's about choosing in that moment to choose to continue and in that choosing you have regained and maintained a tiny bit of yourself and a tiny bit of control and from that point you can start and continue from there meaning not you know you still have the ability to choose right it was inspired by um reading a book um by a guy named victor frankl who survived five concentration camps and his His life story is fascinating his book is very interesting um, and his theories and ideas are interesting the point is We're playing in Leawarden in the Netherlands. We're in front of this room. that's packed full of people and I said to the audience um, Listen, let's make let's make a choice and have the choice in the next song during the next song be that if you typically move up front and sing along if you typically point your finger in the air when you do so if you typically jump off the stage whatever you do however that typically looks let's make different choices let's choose to be in this moment not in past moments not in the you know imagination of future moments let's be in this one and let's just see what happens when we unleash into this moment and allow ourselves to simply be right here right now together in this song um let's make that choice tonight So we play the song and honestly, it was like an atom bomb went off. I can still imagine it as if it was happening right in front of me. It was an explosion. It was a human catharsis and it was entirely audience driven and it was immense. And after the show, a woman came up to me and I remember her quite clearly. I know who she is and I remember her quite clearly. My friend Suzanne she but she said to me, and I didn't know her that well at all at the time. She said, during your show, during that one song, I stood by myself in the back of the room and I screamed as loud as I could and I was crying. Okay. Her point was that rather than be up front singing along and singing the right words and jumping off the stage, that her moment was to scream as loud as she could and just let it go and be crying in the back of the room. And I just remember going, Holy crap! Like, if that's not the moment that we're all in it for, I don't know what is. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> like, I don't know what is. <laughs> that's what it's about right there. So, yeah, you know, it didn't matter that she knew the words. It didn't even matter if she knew the name of the band. What mattered was that she felt it and just went with it. Oh God, I can't get enough of that. Remembering that experience. I just can't even, oh man.
0: So I just got to jump in and let you guys know that Greg and I talked for about two plus hours about everything under the sun, the conversation, the stories, the sharing. It's absolutely fantastic. Totally in the spirit of the hustle, the most podcast we're going to break this up into about three or four different episodes. Please come back and check out episode 26, 27, and 28, all with Greg Benick. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Hustle the Most podcast. This was episode 25. We'll see you on the next one.